This episode is sponsored by ContentFind, a premium video editing and content repurposing service for busy content creators, influencers, brands, podcasters, YouTubers, and marketers. ContentFi provides unlimited end-to-end editing and repurposing services to help you get your video and audio content edited and repurposed quickly, easily, and reliably. Join other busy content creators, founders, brands, and marketers who now spend even more time creating while they take care of the rest. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing anymore. Just create content, build your audience, and grow your business. If you're a content creator looking to save time and money, or looking to outsource your content marketing team, get your first free video edited now at contentfi.co. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast, or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS dash podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the secrets behind growing an on-demand design platform and scaling to the Inc. 5000. Today, we have our guest, Jonathan Grisbowski, joining us. Jonathan is the CMO and co-founder of Penji, an on-demand graphic design service. Penji's goal is to, to provide an innovative solution by making essential tools and resources more accessible and affordable for entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders. Penji has been named as a top startup to watch, according to Philadelphia Magazine, and mentioned in several publications like Huffington Post, Forbes, and Inc. Prior to Penji, Jonathan founded multiple marketing-related startups and also worked for Apple. He is also the host of Blind Entrepreneurship, a podcast that has been downloaded over 100,000 times and mentioned as a top business podcast on Apple Podcasts. So guys, if you haven't checked that out, go check out Blind Entrepreneurship Podcast as well and hear what Jonathan has. So welcome, Jonathan. Super excited to have you on SaaS District Show today. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. No worries. So uh, obviously, we'd like to start here, you know, quick background, couple of words, personal background, past positions, and what were your ventures before deciding to launch and co-found uh, Penji? I used to be a digital, uh, uh, digital marketing uh, agency owner where we essentially would create websites. We would do SEO. We would do... Uh, development, uh, content marketing of all kinds, but we weren't necessarily the best at any of them. So uh, one thing that a lot of our customers would always say to us is that we're really good with graphic design. So a large part of that stemmed from the ideation of, of Penji, which was solving a problem that we had, which was how can we get better graphic designers, or at least a problem that we solved was finding graphic, really good graphic design talent. And um, you know, we ended up... Uh, reaching out to before we closed the uh, the agency down we ended up reaching out to close to around like 150 of our closest friends 200 friends and we kind of surveyed them and said hey if what are some of the problems that you have in your business what are some of the issues what are your what what would you pay in order to solve and a large majority of them said marketing help to some degree in which we kind of put two and two together which was our expertise in graphic design the uh, aspect of uh, of, uh, of of helping others, 
which inevitably became Penji. But in terms of other things before that, as mentioned, I used to work uh, for Apple in the business uh, development department, where I work with a lot of small business owners in order to help them with the solutions that integrate that service into their business. Um, before that, I uh, owned a, I started a lawnmowing company at like 14 or 15. Um, so my journey through business and entrepreneurship has been very much so involved in um, uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of grit, a lot of grind, and uh, you know here I am today, and it's been a, an amazing journey. I'm, I'm I'm now 32, and I've only really had I, I've never really had a real job. So this is my my first and only job. Love it, love it. So just talking about that more specifically, talking about Penji, because I know there's a lot of people listening. They're probably agency founders or or agency owners running the agencies. Um, so you couple you have a couple options, right? You go big and you go after the bigger clients, and you can expand that way, and you know try to become an expert in digital marketing, which I'm assuming is kind of where you guys were, or you can go focus on single industries or focus on a different kind of models to help you actually scale. It's very hard to scale though an agency across all different services. You guys decided to focus on design services specifically and eliminate everything else. So saying no to websites, website development, SEO, social media. How do you have that focus, or how did you kind of uh, that opportunity come to place that you were looking to solve this in the market, that design is the right choice and you know there was opportunity there to, to work upon. So we didn't think that there was going to be a market for the business that we created. We actually initially thought that startups would have been the best customer of ours uh, in which we marketed heavily in the very beginning to startups. And we realized that although startups love Penji, it's actually not our best customer. So before we launched Penji, we actually used uh, a project management tool, Trello, in order to use it, in order to kind of navigate Penji and how to, to make it work. And we were doing that in conjunction with finding new customers for the, uh, the agency. There came a time where the profit and the expansion became so fast within Penji that we had to literally shut the other thing down. So, and that probably took like less than a year to do that where we immediately were just like, you know, we need to get rid of this because it's just no longer, it's no longer bringing us the value that we wanted to. Um, it no longer brought us the joy. And it's kind of interesting. I want to say this, that like while making our, our service isn't necessarily true SaaS. It's like, it's more like a modified version of a SaaS a service as a service, if anything or like design as a service. Um, and and I, I went to a museum and uh, a family member of mine was just like, you know what, it would be awesome if if you got the um, the Met. I went to New York. So it was like, if you got the Met uh, as a customer. And I was thinking to myself like, yeah, that'd be cool. But, I was, but in the back of my head, I was like, I don't know if I really care if Met became a customer. You know, before when we were a digital marketing agency, we always thrive. Uh, you, you, you want the, your ego to be scratched because you want to put the Met or you want to put Apple or if you want to put Uber or Lyft or whoever it is on your website in order to claim that you work for with them. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't freaking matter. Uh, the only thing that matters is the people who bring you revenue. And for us, I don't care if the Met becomes a customer. I'd rather have 10 small business owners become customers before the Met because the amount of effort that I have to put in in order to obtain the Met as a customer, I could put in a, a le less effort and obtain 
10 more customers that would pay more than what the net would inevitably have to offer. And the beauty of, of, of having a subscription style service is that you could treat everyone the same. Because when you work with big businesses, you have this, uh, this mentality where you have to kind of like cater to the ones that are paying you the most money and give them the most attention. And although that can work really well for a lot of people, it didn't work for us, right? Uh, and I'm really proud that I don't have to, like we as a company and our team, we don't have to focus on that one big person. Everybody's on the equal playing ground. Doesn't matter how much you pay, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your social, uh, socioeconomic class. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or anything like that. Like you are who you are. We treat you the same and we treat you with love and respect. Nice, nice. Yeah. I remember back in 2016 when I was the CEO of a company called $99 Social. Uh, so essentially a productized service is kind of similar to what you guys have. You know, the thing that's the, the beauty about it is when you're focused on one, it's very, it's very difficult, right? You have people coming to you and say, hey, I know you do social media. Can you also do SEO? Can you exactly, also do yeah. ads management? And you know, it's tempting to take those upsells. And, 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 uh, but then you know, that takes away from your focus and being able to deliver higher quality service and get better and, and you know, only focus on training the, your core designers in this case, right? So I think it's important to do that. Um, but I, I guess a question around that was, how did you guys decide you know, from an agency where you traditionally have you know, standard packages, you do custom solutions, what was your decision-making framework around structuring as a on-demand, unlimited service and not you know, per project or per hour rate like most design agencies? You know, what were the benefits of that model for, you've seen for your company? I think it challenged the way that most people thought uh, graphic design should be done. And I think that was kind of the why it made the most sense for us. I think a lot of times, any any time that you have the ability to disrupt the market, especially graphic design, I think that there's a it's it's really interesting. And even yourself, uh, like whoever's listening to this right now, there there might be a way to completely disrupt whatever industry that you're in. Like think about the healthcare industry, right? Because of COVID. People were before COVID. People were hesitant in order to do online um, online meetings, and and uh, there's a couple of services where you can go on your phone and you can just like FaceTime the doctor, and and that was considered bad, you know, because you're not getting that personal relationship. But now because of COVID, that's the smartest thing to do. You don't need to go to a doctor. You just want to talk to them, and of course they you you might still have to come in in order to you know take temperatures or blood or whatever it may be. But you're able to weed out a lot of the time and the conversation without actually having the, to uh, facilitate that. So the reason why I share that story is, is we wanted to challenge the way people conceptualize graphic design. We wanted to challenge the way people receive that experience. Because uh, everybody has a horror story of working with a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a horror story uh, with hiring an employee. And so we do, we did that for you. And now all you have to do is just ask. And so that level of, of demand, that somewhat of a white glove approach, I think is extremely appealing because let's be honest, I don't know about you, Akil, but I'm lazy as hell. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go through that process of, of talking to people. I just want to be able to sign up, grab my stuff, get out and then go back to work. Right. Simple, smooth, efficient. That's what I love. Um, and, and you know, talking about the model, because you, you you know, when you had an agency, you're probably managing different people, trying to hire, have different processes for each different kind of uh, you know, responsibility or key kind of uh, role. Um, 
how many designers do you have working with the team? And like, what were the initial costs to get Penji started in, in I think it was 2017 and making that shift and yeah, from the agency model? A lot of uh, away from the agency model. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you move from traditional marketing agency yeah, to to design agency. Yeah, so, well, I wouldn't consider Penji a design agency now, um, but I would say more so it's just a, a design service. Um, we had all, all of our uh, uh, designers in the beginning were based in the United States. Uh, we were probably paying them somewhere around forty to sixty thousand dollars a year. Um, they were able to do nowhere near the caliber of what a designer can do overseas. We decided to build technology surrounding our our service, and that's when we realized that we had to scale. So we ended up taking a lot of our uh, designers here in the United States and turned them into project managers. And then they managed the design team in order to, to create the production. Um, so that's what we do. Right now, most of our designers are based in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all of, uh, and we have a couple of others in other, in other countries as well. Um, we have an account somewhere over 150 designers. They are all, they are all employees of, of Penji. They are not freelancers. You're not working with a freelance designer. Uh, you are working with a dedicated individual if, if that's what you want. And I think one of the benefits of Penji is there's 150 designers, which means that there's skill sets of every single type. So mm. if you needed a, and again, this, I think the benefit of a, of a, of a, a ser- service like ours, if you hire a freelancer, you need a website to design, right? You need an app design. You need a logo design as well if you're a brand new startup. If you're an agency owner, you need somebody who specializes in Facebook ads and social media content. And maybe you get that one-off project where they need like a website design, or maybe you need like a banner of some kind. Uh, contrary to belief, the people who don't understand how graphic design works, they assume that one person can handle that. Mm. And that's that's actually not true. Mm. So um, you wouldn't want a plumber to fix your door, right? So, or you want to want a door, a, a, like a uh, a handyman to fix your 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 a leak? That, that's just not what they're good at. So, right. um, is the same rules apply for Penji? I think that's the real benefit is that there's literally go when you sign up for the service, you have access to all these people, and you can request whatever you want and still pay the same rate. So you have logo designers, you have UI UX, you have website, you have you know obviously those are different type of design. Graphic designers are different than website, right? So you get access to to all kinds of professionals, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And and how are you managing those creators? So you said that all f- employees are they? Is it kind of still a, like a marketplace model where the employees, but they get paid per work? Are they full time and they're getting you no know, salaries and, and full time salaries? Uh, those who uh, qualify receive benefits. Um, I think one of the 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 most important things that we and I think this goes for uh, anybody who's listening right now is that you're. Customers are not number one. Your people are number one. And I think we need to shape, sh- change that focus as to the level of importance. Um, there will always be another customer, right? But there's never going to be potentially another employee as dedicated as, uh, and as good as that particular individual is. Now, if that employee obviously is consistently doing a bad job, then 
there needs to be repercussions for those actions. However, the minute that you blame a, 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 a team member on about a particular job, about maybe doing the wrong job or about maybe messing up or not designing something of quality, they're going to remember that, right? Mm. And they're going to make, they're going to remember the time that you made them feel not important. And so we take great lengths in order to be fair and treat each team member uh, as uh, like a human being. Mm. And, and I want to add one more thing too, is a lot of times when people, um, hire individuals that may not be originally from America, right? And I'm speaking specifically to like Americans. I'm speaking specifically to, you know, maybe even Canadians, but like, you know, primary large economic countries, they, they, they have this stigma of, oh, you don't speak a native English language. And that means you're in turn could be stupid. And that, is not the case at all. And, and that's something that I'm incredibly proud of that we embrace our cultures. We embrace those who work for us and uh, they're just as good, if not better than that of somebody in a first world country. Right. Yeah, that's the kind of status or, I mean, we try to try to self-impose the uh, belief of ourselves, right? That we're better or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's actually a really good point. I mean, they're people as well, right? Just because they're born somewhere else doesn't mean you should treat them any less. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I guess, how do you choose? I mean, you have these projects come in that like, we need a website, logo, we need a, our app design. How do you guys choose on the type of complexity of the request? How do you, which designer to, to assign the project to when you have 150 of them? Well, that's just based off of an algorithm that we've created um, within ourselves. But for the most part, um, people that are listening is if, this person is consistently getting positive reviews about a particular category, then they're going to get paired with the person that continues to get positive reviews. Right. A lot of times we actually get the design process wrong. Um, and, and so that's where we kind of have to educate our customers that we could find another designer. Because mm. so I mean, like, right the, yeah, because yeah, I mean, you might want a more feminine touch, but then you got paired with a, a man who is more of a masculine touch. It doesn't mean the designer is bad. It just means that you got to find a, you got to, you got to let the person know. And honestly, another thing too, that I think uh, people should be made aware of is especially the people that are listening is a lot of times when you submit something, when you tell an employee what to do, I can almost guarantee you, you're doing a crappy job of it. Because when you submit, when you try and talk to another human being in your head, you probably think that you're organized and that you're very clear and that the instructions are like as obvious as you think. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's not. And so we as a, an internal team go to great lengths in order to uh, make sure that our team understands with 100% confidence and certainty that they're receiving instructions that they are comfortable with. So we use uh, we use a service called Loom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we not only create written instructions, but we also use uh, video instructions as well in order to show the designer or to show the team member uh, the instructions that they need in order to complete their job. So you guys are creating this or is this from the client or it's in the in-between? That's what we do to all of our team members. But the reason why I shared that story is because a lot of times customers don't 
know how to explain themselves. Um, And so you need to be able to uh, explain yourself in a very uh, clear manner. And I think it comes down to organization. Mm. Yeah, it's it's super important, especially with design, right? I think people take it very personal, like anything, right? Represents your brand or people take it very personal. They want it their way. They have their vision, but it's very hard to articulate that, I guess, and communicate um, Mm -hmm. so you can explain it properly. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about kind of the secret we we're all kind of interested. How did you guys get list? No, I'll remove that word listed because we talked about it before the show. How do you guys get on the Inc. Five Thousand? What what was it that uh, got the interest of being on there? So I think that there's um, well, in order for you to get on there, you have to hit a certain milestone of around like two point two, two point five um, million dollars in revenue per year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we obtained the revenue mark, but I think how we got there was more so along the lines of this different stages that we that we uh used Mm -hmm. and so every time that we uh grew we kind of broke it down in terms of stages so our first like 100 customers was basically just hard work and grit where we interviewed as mentioned before like 200 uh, 150 200 people and we said essentially if we built this will you buy it and a large majority of them said yes. They became our first 100 customers. Um, and then in that aspect, we uh, went into stage two, which is more so like the content marketing SEO realm, where we're just writing content and resources and and getting on. No, don't take this personally, but like you know, uh, not it's not your podcast, but just. Easy to easy to obtain podcast interviews, sure. um, in in which because you have a you want important guests, you want fun guests, and then in turn it's gonna you know potentially self serving and helps you, or maybe it helps the audience, whatever it is. But you have a website that people go to, and you're talking about us. So so now that's like stage two, stage three. So now we need people to talk about us in stage three. So how can we get more people to understand us? How um, uh, how can we get more people to talk about us? How can we get more people to uh, write about us in like reviews in Google reviews, Facebook reviews, whatever it may be? That's stage three. Stage four is more so uh, along the lines of advertising. So now we have a pretty decent amount of revenue. How can we take a portion of that revenue and then funnel it back into the system of the Facebooks and the Googles and things like that? in order to obtain the sales. Uh, and then I would say the, the one of the final stages is just kind of like doing all of them all at once and, and just adding as much gasoline to the fire. And so now we have this incredible cycle of, of, uh, of, of lead generation where we can spend an X number of dollars and we'll be able to obtain Y in return. We're able to create uh, X number of blog articles and we can expect an increase of Y within uh, our overall outreach and our page views on our website. And so we're just building this massive machine uh, of content and we're building this massive machine of just uh, of, of ads, of, of, of seeing the Penji name, hearing the brand. And eventually you're going to come to a point and either get curious and look into the service because you see it so much, um, you're going to become a customer, hopefully, or you're going to share it with a friend. And, and I feel like the, and I know I said that before, but the, the, the final step is kind of just like asking for referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that's not like, there isn't a cookie cutter, things can go through along the way, but there was a point in time where we had no idea who our customers were. We were incredibly afraid of talking to our customers because we were afraid that we would lose them or that they would cancel the service. 
And now we are at a point where we have so much confidence in what we do um, that we talk to just about every single customer that comes through Penji. We ask them questions. How did you hear about us? Why did you choose us? What can we do to make our service better? And then we use their, we use whatever they tell us uh, in order to benefit the service. Mm. Um, so speaking about the, you know, you started from phase one, getting those first hundred customers. What was the strategy there, and how you got them before you started moving into content and you know the the, the podcast and whatnot? Um, Do you remember? Just just interview. I mean, uh, reaching out to our network. Just reaching out. Yeah, you said the first hundred customers, right? First hundred, yeah, that's what you mentioned. Yeah, literally the first hundred customers was surveys. I think I spammed. I think I have. I had about like a thousand friends at the time on Facebook, and this was before people were like doing this already. This was probably about like three, four, four years or so ago. And then I literally went on Facebook and I added everybody as a friend till I got to about like 3,000, 4,000. <laughs> and then I just started messaging people randomly. And I was like, Hey, you know, I need you to help me with a survey. They had no idea who I was. People ended up uh, signing, like filling it out. And then they ended up becoming customers for it. Mm-hmm. So that was legitimately how we got our first customer, uh, our first hundred customers. In addition to a 30 mile radius of our geographic area. So we have, uh, we live in, uh, we're headquartered in a pretty big city, Philadelphia. Um, we would go out to networking events and cheesy stuff like that to try and sell our service. Um, I think I, uh, we even did cold calling for a little bit. Uh, whatever it took in order to get the 100 that we did whatever it took. Um, and it, and it worked. And then that's when the stages come in, right? Then, and we had that foundation. We have that revenue source. We could be a little bit adventurous. Um, and then now, thank, thank the Lord, I, I don't have to go to a networking event. Um, I'm not dependent on, on meeting somebody in order to obtain a, a job or to, to get a sale. And that level of stress that has been lifted off of my plate it allows me to make better decisions as a, one of the leaders in the company. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get that engine going, it's pretty powerful, right? That you don't have to, kind of, you know, it's like Absolutely. that flywheel, right? Just get that flywheel moving. And that's just uh, the hardest part is just getting that momentum, right? Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned at the beginning, you know, there was some us customers you were working with, you realized they're not, not for you, you know, some st- uh, startups. Um, I just, I'm going to make some assumptions here, you know, maybe like marketing consultants, SaaS companies, maybe other marketing agencies are using your services. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. 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 Um, so as a CMO, how else are you kind of leveraging SEO for Legion? Because obviously I'm assuming your graphics and design is on point. It has to be, you know, that's what you guys represent on the content level. What are you guys doing there other than, you know, um, you know, podcasting and then maybe what are some other channels of Legion that you say have been working right now at the level you're at? Um, I would say we rank... So SEO is probably the most important thing because we're able to rank for specific keywords. And then um, we have an email funnel that allows them to, to join in. Um, we, we do um, advertising, as mentioned before. Uh, email marketing is huge. It's so underrated. I highly recommend people to, to continue doing that. Uh, to people who say that it's dead, I think they're they're lying to people who say that SEO is dead. I also think they're lying. <laughs> I would also add into don't don't be afraid to discount your 
your services by a little bit just to see if if people are are, are interested. Um, we are probably one of the most boring custom, uh, companies that you'll ever come across. We very rarely do we innovate and create new ideas. We're never trying to uh, go viral, so to speak, or anything like that. We just want to like we we are really good at staying true to who we are and just putting our heads down and working our, our butts off. Um, and it's got it's it served us really well. Um, so there's really nothing like too crazy other than just content creation. Um, we've realized that I, I I guess I could say one more thing. Um, we realized that if you're able to help people, they in turn are going to reciprocate by helping you back. And so we actually started a uh, uh, the very first day of Penji. We started a nonprofit initiative that we're still doing to this day, where we help uh, nonprofits across the world, where we offer our services to to them for one dollar a month. And a lot of times uh, they are helping their community and they need graphic design help. And so we fundamentally started that in since in the beginning of Penji in order to be socially conscious uh, conscious and 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 that's helped us a lot because when you're able to help somebody again they're going to want to help you in, in return um, and not that we ever want a a uh, a sale from these people because we really just want to do it from the bottom of our hearts uh, we do ask some of them to uh, share our story with uh, a, a friend and they are able to do that. And so not only are we able to, to help the, the, the world through you know, whoever they help, um, we're able to help those, those customers with, uh, with graphic design. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm incredibly proud of. I think a lot of companies nowadays, they, they try to be you know, good. They, they try to uh, support... Um, Social inequality system. or social injustice and, and all that stuff, but they they don't actually do it. And we did it from the beginning in helping people when we didn't even have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's to me that's that's that makes me love my job even more. Of course. There's more purpose behind it, right? I mean, especially when you genuinely actually care and it's not just thrown up there to for you know branding or whatnot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so would, would, would you be able to rank like, so, you know, content marketing, you know, doing podcasts, you know, SEO, um, and then now you're doing some ads. Would you say there's one channel that you say, you, you know, you're getting the highest kind of ROI and would suggest to our audience to, to focus on if they were to focus on one? I think content, I think SEO, content. uh, I mean, see, it's hard, right? So for us, um, we have, uh, like there's keywords that are out there that people are searching for. Mm. So like that makes sense for us. <laughs> Um, but that might not make sense. Advertising might be easier for somebody else. So it just depends on, on how you obtain your customers. We, we, we don't talk to anybody. We, all of our stuff is done online. So, uh, they go into our website, they sign up for a service, they pay us through credit card and that's that. Um, so I, but to answer the question, I do find value in if you have a secret sauce in how you grew the business, then I think you should you should tell other people about it, but don't lie because a lot of people are like, I see ads all the time. These crappy ads. It's like <laughs> I drive a Lamborghini and and this is how I did it. And it's like, bro, you never you don't own that car. <laughs> and it, I don't know about you, but like I hate seeing people who promote themselves by their 
by what they by by what they wear mm. or by what they have. Um, I think entrepreneurship sucks, right? Like mm. I, I would never wish. I don't regret anything, right? But entrepreneurship sucks. It's hard. It is. It is depressing. Um, mm. It is scary, and to promote that by bragging about what you have, uh, I think it's just, that's not the way to do it. It's not the reality of it, right? I mean, that's what people love. They love the the end goal, but they don't love the process. And that's because the process is work. I'm in love with the process. I love the process. Like that's, that's my, that's what gets me up every day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. I mean, the results, it's like a little bit of a, a dopamine hit, but at the end of the day, it's like I, I just want to keep doing it, and, and I think that's yeah, what exactly, yeah. yeah. And what, what are you guys at in terms of uh, users right now, or, or month like average or so? Uh, I'm not able to share that just because of competitive nature, but mm-hmm. um, we were able to grow our business within the first three months. So this is being recorded in March. Um, we've already obtained two milestones that we thought that we were going to get in June of 2021. Uh, and we achieved that in, uh, in March. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're on already on our way to the second milestone that we thought that we were going to end in November. Um, wow. We are on a crazy hiring spree right now, which is something that we're incredibly grateful for. And I hope that we're able to hire um, at the rate in which we're able to keep up with demand. So that's always going to be an issue. So, um, but that's, that's the best answer that I can give you to give you an inclination of how well we're doing. That's cool. Um, Question, I guess on, on management. So I think that's something now, you know, SaaS founders are facing remote teams, team based in, uh, you know, project managers in the U S and then you have teams in, it's called Philippines. Uh, do you have project managers in the Philippines or, you know, office managers or managing it, or are you able to effectively, you know, manage all that remotely? We are able to manage that remotely, uh, and we do have managers that are over, uh, that are that are in that country as well. Um, so the the thing that I would speak to about that is communication is incredibly important. Going back to the idea of like using Loom, um, sometimes people uh, do not learn the way that you learn, and so you need to be able to cover all of your bases. Uh, going back to processes and procedures, what we usually do when we communicate a new idea is we write a memo that's a you know uh, in in the form of a Google Doc, uh, and we attach a video uh, associated with that to ensure that there's like zero confusion. Because when you work with people, especially managers, um, your first reaction is like, "What the f, man? Like, why why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing your job?" And it's not that they're not doing their job; it's just they might be confused with what what you said versus what the reality is and how they interpreted it. So um, to me, that's like critical, super critical to communicate as much as possible. Mm. Um, and just on that point where you're saying, okay, you've got the Ferrari now, you know, you've got something that's growing really nicely. You know, you're not showing that off, but you know, the process we're talking about is seeing what you had to go through to get to where you guys are today. And I think equally to talk about is, you know, what doesn't work in part of that process and what the struggle is. Um, can you share any of like failed experiments that you've maybe run and on the marketing side and say have, have failed and, and you wouldn't do again? There was, uh, we were so happy uh, and excited about this. I, we went to an event and we created uh, what's called the Penji bot, which inevitably is now a part of something inside of Penji. 
um, and where we created this giant robot that was about 15 feet tall. And we like painted it and we put fur on it. And it actually was a vending machine where um, you hit this button and then you uh, and then people were behind it, basically like changing the 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 scripts, like you know, please wait. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it, eventually something came out at the bottom of it, and it was like this random like gift, right? So we spent like probably three hundred dollars on on stuff. So we bought like lemons and limes and watermelons, and we bought like these really random ass like things like pool noodles and. And, and just like really crazy stuff. And so you would see people walking around this event that had like thousands of people in it. And they had like a, like one guy was carrying a watermelon around. And, and, and so it created this huge like mix of like things of, of like, well, who, where'd you get that from? Like, how the hell, why are you carrying a watermelon? That is stupid. Why would you do that? <laughs> and we probably spent two months in order to do this, to think about it, to execute it, to create it, maybe even longer, to be honest with you. And I think we obtained like two or three sales from it. So you're trying to like, so that Hmm. amount of time that we spent on this one giant idea that we thought was going to be this huge money-making machine generated less than or around a thousand dollars worth of revenue. Mm. Would you go at the end of the day, say that that's worth it? I'd probably say no, because imagine what you could do in three months time in order to focus on other areas. And so the one rule that we came up with is, uh, never trade respect for attention in which we, um, uh, in which now it's a cornerstone and philosophy that we have in our company where we're never going to disrespect or we're never going to be cute in order to grab attention. Our decision-making process is more fine-tuned. We have an entire decision-making process flow where if we try to do this new idea, it doesn't matter what idea it is. It could be marketing. It could be a new process. It could be a new feature inside of Penji. Does this idea hit all of the measures in our decision-making tree. And if it doesn't, then we throw it out. doesn't matter how good the idea is. Uh, if a customer comes up, up to us and says, hey, I have this really good idea in order to make the service better, we're going to put that up against our decision-making tree and say, okay, how many customers actually have this problem? Okay, one, throw it out. doesn't matter. Now, what we normally do is we'll, we'll take that, that, that feedback and we'll write it down and we'll say, We'll put it into a category. You know, Johnny said X, Sarah said Y. Um, and then now if we collect that data over time and we see that in the span of a month, 15 people said that, okay, now it's actually a better time to go back to that, to that, to that thought process. So I think as a, as a, a, a human being, it's really easy to be, have this shiny object syndrome. Um, but I think we do a really good job at uh, just filtering that in order to make really smart decisions that make the, that move the company forward. Mm. This is a super cool f- framework. Love that. Um, on a personal lo- note, um, you mentioned this concept about you know outsourcing your life. Uh, can you share a little bit more what that what does that framework look like? And maybe for for people in our audience, they want to you know think about that as well. How can they start applying that in their in their own day to day? I am bad at a lot of things. Um, and I'm good at very specific things. 
And so I try to focus on all the things that I'm really good at. Uh, I am not uh, a good writer. Um, I am really bad at following up. And so I've created a life where I'm, I'm able to remind myself and sign up for services to help me with this or hire people to help me with the things that I'm bad at. Um, <clears throat> and so outsourcing the, your life is, is essentially that. Write down on, on a piece of paper all the things that you think you're incredibly strong at, all the things that you know that you're bad at, and then find ways in order to get rid of that and hire the people uh, around you in order to make that possible. Uh, it probably took me uh, it took me about three, four years, five years to figure that out. Uh, mm-hmm. And now the only thing that I'm focusing on are the things that drive revenue for the business uh, and the things that I know that I can do. And if I can't do it, uh, it's it's either going to be I'm going to remove it or I'm going to pay for somebody or hire something or or find a new hack because I'm cheap and I don't like spending money. And, and so I'll find a hack in order to make that possible. Mm. I, I guess that's also a, you know, a privilege at some point because in the early stages when you don't have that much, um, you kind of have to do everything even when you don't like it. But I guess if you can, when you start, uh, you know, start, you know, you can, you have that revenue and you're able to do it, I guess that, that, that would make more sense. Well, that's actually the best part, right? Because when we were in the beginning, we didn't have any money and we, we never received funding. So we're, we're mm. 100% cash flow positive. Um, and so like I was never dirt poor, but I never had money in my entire life. And still to this day, you know, I, I live a very, uh, I, t- I drive the same car that I dr- that I bought ten years ago. Mm. You know, like I, I I don't need a new car. I'm not going to buy a new car. Um, mm. So I still live the same way that I do now than I did the first day that I started Penji. And so with that in mind, there are so many things that I did hack wise that require zero dollars. And that's the the reason why I say that is like I didn't outsource by spending money. I found hacks in order to make sure that I could remind myself the things that I'm bad at. Like again, following up, reminding myself that uh, that I had a meeting at four o'clock today. I had three things remind me to tell my dumbass to actually like get on the call. And even mm-hmm. then, I oh, I still almost missed it. So like, and and that required zero dollars. Mm. So, uh, you know, there are so many things that you can do in your life that requires zero money. And to this day, I probably to remind myself and to make me a better human being personally, I probably spend less than uh, a couple hundred bucks to make that possible. Right. So, I I don't want people to think that like I'm I'm spending money to do this. I'm really not. Mm. I think sometimes when I think that's the beauty of having constraints, right? You start thinking outside of the box and you think, okay, how can I do this with with less. And I think people love the idea of raising capital, but there is a responsibility. And I think there's a lot, um, you know, you have to work that that loss of, of, of constraint. I think you're easily to be kind of inefficient, it leads to inefficiency as well. So I agree with that. I, I never recommend um, raising capital unless you desperately need it. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if you've already answered this with your last question. Oh, and then also to add your, your note, you're not going to upgrade your car until you get that Lamborghini, right? And then you'll be in that next video. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I, I never want a Lamborghini at all. Like I am, I'm like, I go to, I shop at old Navy, you know, like I buy clothes from target. Uh, if I could wear the same clothes every single day, I would, 
a Lamborghini doesn't even make would never make me happy. Mm. The things that make me happy are probably at most a hundred dollars, a good bottle of wine, a good conversation with good people, a ton of food. Um, I'd replace, I'd have that once before I'd ever buy a Lamborghini. Mm. Maybe that goes into kind of the, I'll, I'll go switch to this question because I think it ties in, uh, you know, rapid fire kind of personal question. What does success mean to you today? Cause you talk about happiness and money wise. Um, it doesn't have to be financially or personally mm-hmm. business life. What would a success mean to you? Doing the thing that I love, uh, every single day and, and not hating my life because of it. Um, I do have a lot of high goals for myself. Uh, a personal dream of mine is to own a winery. Uh, I'm very much so into wine. I love, uh, not to make this sound weird, but I love the process of alcohol. I love alcohol. I love what it does as a community aspect of it. Um, so that is like my definition of success from a, like a, a physical thing is mm-hmm. owning a winery. Um, but my like spiritual, uh, answer is just you know, waking up every single day, solving a problem and doing the thing I love. Love it. What's one piece of advice you wish you had known and will tell your 25 year old self today? So seven years ago. Yeah. Um, Hey, it's going to get better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I would probably say, uh, every time that you fall, just be reminded that you're going to get back up. And and I think that's probably like the, the biggest, uh, uh, strength that I have is like, you know, this past year, I, I lost a lot. You know, I, I had a, a, a relationship that I thought was going to be like the one. My mom passed away. Um, and so like business was very interesting um, because and then the pandemic happened. So like my, my life was truly tested in 2020. And I realized that like, you know what? Like I always had a positive outlook. Um, I always enjoyed life. I always had a smile on my face. Uh, and, and that, and that's just to me, like the advice that I would say is like crap's going to get really hard and you're, you're always going to stand back up no matter how many punches come at you. I love it, man. Sorry about, sorry about your mother. Yeah, it's all good. Thanks. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you're, you're currently facing right now in order to continue to grow Penji? Tell like what keeps you up at night right now? Um, what uh the the customer experience um because as you go as you go really as you as you get as you grow um people you you potentially let uh lose that that experience and that touch and to me having a consistent experience is incredibly important it's kind of like mcdonald's right you can go to mcdonald's in in mexico or you can go to mcdonald's in canada you can go to mcdonald's in philadelphia and you're pretty much going to have the same experience and the burger is going to taste the same so that finding out how to do that in an uh in in our version of that is is what keeps me up at night makes sense that's a challenge design is a a, a fickle thing right it's people expectations and whatnot yeah yeah. Who or what would you say are the best three re- best resources? It could be books, it could be people, mentors, or people you follow. Who would you say have been the most instrumental to your success over the last few years and would recommend people check out? Um, I am going to con- I'm going to give one story, but I'm going to tell I'm going to say the words no one. Um, okay. <laughs> I actually 
uh, stopped following every single person on social media. I deleted everything off of my personal social media in order for me to think more clearly and not be influenced by others. Because when you hear a stupid motivational Gary Vaynerchuk quote, you're going to immediately think to yourself and potentially could sway you in order to make the wrong decision. Um, so I stopped watching and listening to that crap uh, because I don't it doesn't relate to me anymore and I don't want to listen to it. Now, with that said, uh, anytime that you pick up a book uh, and you read a business book, I highly recommend reaching out to that person and if it made an impact in your life, thanking them. And, and the reason why I say that is because I think a really good relationship can come out of that. Um, uh, case in point, the, one of the first books that I read was Scott Gerber's Never Get a Real Job. And... Um, and he's like a, a, a bestseller. Uh, I thanked him for um, uh, his, writing his book. I quit my job uh, in, because I read his book. And then I ended up tweeting him in 2015. He never responded to me. I created a podcast. In that podcast, uh, I then had him on as a guest on his second book. And I showed him the tweet of him not responding to me. And, um, and we became friends because of that. So there's, there's a lot of cool stories that you can have with people by simply just like thanking them and, and showing love and respect. Mm, love it. Love it. That's, that's really good advice. You know, I've, I've heard that before, actually from a mentor of mine, where he mentioned, you know, when you asked him for a book recommendation, he said, look, I, you know, at the times, like, I don't know your current situation, where you are right now. But if I recommend you the wrong book in your situation today, it could actually set you back six months. So it's like you really Easily. have to, you, right? So you have to be careful. Like when you recommend a book, like know exactly where they are, like at the stage where people are, because you want to make sure it pushes them forward and not backwards, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. 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 I like that answer. Um, Jonathan, this has been great. We're, uh, let's kind of wrap this up. Where can our audience and founders get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or possibly how to outsource their their own design team? Yeah, go to penji.co, P-E-N-J-I.co if you uh, appreciated the story. If you got any value in this, uh, it would mean a lot to us just sharing this, uh, this podcast with a friend, um, uh, letting them know that, uh, that entrepreneurship is incredibly hard and, and hopefully that this was a good, a good story and a, and a good process that could help you. Um, and then also rate this podcast uh, five stars on iTunes and Spotify to uh, show Kill Some Love. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Love it. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.